Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go to any 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Ripwick and a Dungeon Master myself, and today we're here to talk to you about magic portraits. Nathan, what is a magic portrait? Uh, is it some, anything like the magical paintings in Harry Potter? Maybe. That's okay. one option for it. Like, honestly, that's one of the reasons that this is a fun one for me. It is yet another of those options that can exist in the game that has a lot of different varieties to it in how it can exist and how it can be used in game. And I'm talking just like canonical, there are already existing multiple versions, not just potential homebrew options. Although we will, of course, talk about that a bit later on. So just for curiosity's sake, like you brought up the idea of the Harry Potter portraits. And yeah, you're right that that is an option that can exist. But can you think of a few varieties just of that that could be a kind of interesting twist in a D&D game. I mean, if we're talking the Harry Potter kind of... Um, if we're talking about the Harry Potter kind of um, magical portrait, that's something like, okay, um, for example, uh, the people in the portraits can speak back to you, have some sort of logical thinking to them, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It can react to what you say, or it can be a case where, okay, what do you say? We Somebody's trapped in a painting, uh, can't get out, but still re- retains consciousness. Fine. Um. Correct. And honestly, this version alone is one that just gives me the evil DM smile. Because, yeah, there's so many just ways that you could just fuck with people. So the quote-unquote easiest option it's just the idea of a portrait that has just some amount of animation to it, whether that is through like actual like animation magic or even just through illusion. Like how many horror movies, you know, TV shows make use of the idea of a portrait where the eyes follow you. 
Oh, that's the absolute amazing. most basic version. And with D and D illusion magic, that's really fucking easy to do. And then if you have that combined with something like you know the spell magic mouth, where you can pre-record a message to respond to specific triggers that lasts until dispelled. Like, there's really a lot of l relatively low-level ways that you can do that kind of effect in just any D&D &D place that has a portrait. It's actually really easy, magically speaking, to do that. But even if you just have the eyes follow version, that alone is creepy as hell and is something that a dungeon master could have a lot of fun with just to set a mood in some kind of spooky house. But after that, you can go quite a number of steps farther. So I mentioned just the eyes, I mentioned voice, but then you can also go the full Harry Potter route of having what appears to be like an actual like, conversation that you're able to have with the person who appears in this painting. So this is one of the questions that is actually not defined either way in Harry Potter, but could be in a few different ways in D&D. Which is the question, is a person in a D&D magical painting an actual person or simply the image thereof? Because there is all kinds of soul shenanigans possible in D&D. So if you were to say, I think that it would make sense to use, you know, magic jar or just some other just variation thereof or other kinds of soul magic to just actually put a soul into a painting that's a kind of interesting thing to think about because on the one hand if you're trapped in a painting that sounds horrific on the other hand an argument could be made that that is a you know relatively simple form of immortality and if you look at things from that perspective i could see certain people that want to do that I mean, I guess you could consider it a form of immortality, but it'd be the same kind of immortality you get for from being very well known for an achievement or something like that. That's how that's, I see it. That's not true at all. Like, if you're actually there oh, in like the painting and able to, yeah, I'm saying your soul is in the painting and able to talk right. to people. I I mean that is technically. A form of immortality, but it's not it the sounds, most ideal form it, by it, any it means. It sounds like fucking nightmare, man. <laughs> but okay, let me put it this way: Let's say there's some particularly wealthy individual that has like a young child, but they're dying of some kind of incurable magical illness. Right. So they make the choice to have their soul put into a painting so that they can, you know, still have some kind of interaction with their child as they grow, and potentially even other descendants, depending on, you know, how long will go by. Oh, that's pretty cool. It could be really nice, or really fucked up. Because if you do make the choice that this is a magic that exists, well, it would, it may be somewhat difficult, you know, to not have assholes do this to their enemies. Could you imagine a trophy room that is just dozens of portraits that are the captured souls of your enemies. Like, that's almost oh, that's the crazy. best kind of trophy you could have from a defeated foe. It's it is so like, fucked up, you. but it'd be so cool. And anyone, like, and then anyone who, like, breaks into that vault expecting some kind of, 
treasure because of how secure it is, just has all of these portraits just screaming, either let us go or kill me, kill me, please let me die. So, Remy, like, um, all this talk about magical portraits and whatnot has actually reminded me of, like, something I read or watched sometime back, where apparently there was this, like, play or film about this magical portrait, um, that basically- Seriously, Nathan? What? I know where you're going, but go keep going. Okay, so essentially, if I'm not wrong, it was a case where it would basically take all the um, sins of sins, the person. Yeah, who the sins of the off. person. The portrait yeah, the of portrait. Dorian Gray. Yeah, that one. I remember. <laughs> God damn it, I remember. It's I remember classic reading. literature. Right. So it, it was very interesting because <laughs> it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. It's like that the idea of the hidden self. Indeed. So. There have been all kinds of philosophies around, like, pictures and painting throughout history. Like, did you know that in, like, the early days of pictures, there was an actual fear that a lot of people had that a portrait, oh, yeah. that taking Capture a photograph of you captured your soul. Exactly. So playing with that type of old fear is a classic thing to do in D&D for good reason. And this would be a way that you could absolutely do that. But specifically, though, to talk about the portrait of Dorian Gray, yeah. So the whole idea is that the person was like a young, beautiful hedonist. Like that dude got into all kinds of stuff, but then like he wanted to just stay young and beautiful forever. So then this portrait that was drawn of him just started taking on all of his sins and his aging and just it was a really good story. Like, I seriously do just recommend it just for anyone to read, D&D or non-D&D you like. It's just a good story. But just for good just description on how to write a creepy atmosphere, how to write or use the idea of a, this kind of magical portrait, it is absolutely worth reading Portrait of Dorian Gray. But anyway, so doing that in D&D, though, it's actually very funny to me that you mention it because they did. Holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> so i'm going to purposefully stay vague on this just in case anyone does want to play it but actually from the new ravenloft book like we've mentioned that there are a lot of dark lords in their own personal kinds of hells in that book and mm -hmm. one of them is very clearly based on the portrait of dorian gray it is so very very apparent like to the point of they actually do describe you know, that it is a portrait of that person upon a magical canvas, yada, 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 yada. And, like, there's a little bit of details that they changed. But, yeah, they pretty much did, like, semi-canonize the portrait of Dorian Gray into 5th edition D&D. That's but, cool. So I'm going to purposefully not talk anymore about that, again, because it's a cool thing that people might want to play. So I'm going to stick to more the normal version of Dorian Gray and more the Harry Potter angle of things for this part. All right. So with that in mind, we talked about the actual use of souls. So there are quite a number of ways, though, that you can just kind of tweak that setup. Because to go with, you know, another aspect from Harry Potter, you know, there are canonical ways in Harry Potter to contain a soul that's usually considered rather evil magic. But a side effect of that process is that most of the objects do get pretty crazy levels of durability. So how fucked, fucked up would it be if you have this just like four foot by six foot portrait 
that just cannot be destroyed by conventional means. And then again, like me loving the various angles that can be taken, whether that is a portrait of a bad guy whose soul is in there and then can't like basically, is it like a lich's phylactery where it is just unable to be easily destroyed? And so you have to somehow just carry this fucking massive, you know, four foot by six foot. I mean, that's not even that big by portrait standards, but it's just funny to imagine because it is carryable at that size. And just like, and it's just screaming like, "Help! Help! These adventurers have kidnapped me! I will pay a handsome bounty to any who free my I, portrait from these knaves." I was thinking of a quest from uh, The Witcher Tree, where there is a um, sequence where, like, there's these tree crones that you communicate originally communicate with through a painting. Mm-hmm. So that could be quite interesting. As for example, it's a way to uh, communicate with. Um, Perhaps an otherworldly being, or like, uh, um, just with someone, you know. I mean, hell, that could actually be a pretty neat thing. Imagine a warlock has just like a small portrait of their patron, but then, like, when they're not looking, the details of the portrait change, and that's what indicates their next mission from their patron. Like, there's just like a portrait in the background of the portrait, or there's just, just like a book on the desk that's open to a certain page. I was just thinking of this, like, really creepy idea where, like, your patron is, like, some horrific creature, right? And then, like, at some point you displease him or something like that. And then just one of the days, it's just, like, the detail seems to be getting, like, more and more, like, realistic. And then just one of these, one of the nights, right, you just turn the camera to the painting and then you slowly see the canvas begin to tear off as... A, a, an avatar of this patron begins to take shape. That would be pretty fucked up. Basically like a portrait version of the ring. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking cool. Or just another, just straight out of a horror movie way you could go with that. It's just like, every so often like the figure in the portrait is just blurry, 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 until it resolves into a portrait of the PC themselves, and then all of a sudden, like there's it just blinks and they realize that they themselves are now in the portrait, and then something oh, wearing their shit. face just smiles at them and puts the portrait back in their bag. Oh, that is kind of terrible. Because <laughs> it actually is one of the occasional things that is just mentioned as a possible option for warlocks would be to, that like they woke up after a night that they can't remember with blood on their hands. But the idea of that they know that their body got taken on a joyride, and the next day, there's no indication that anything's happened, but they know that they weren't in control of their body last night. That would be terrifying. I do enjoy the, like, Jekyll and Hyde dynamic. Also true. That's one of the fun things. It's just very, very freaking interesting to have where there's someone else that you can't exactly interact with, but you feel their actions through other people's reactions to you. Yeah. And it's just hilarious to me how many people just never put together that the Incredible Hulk is just Jekyll and Hyde. Oh yeah, that's a fair point. Like, it's literally smart, sciencey guy turns into angry, strong, not-so-nice guy. It's It was literally Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> It's something that just always amused me. That's amazing. I mean, when you really think about it, aren't, like, uh-huh. basically superheroes the modern, like, mythos? 
Oh, they are. Like that is there are books written on that subject. Cool. Like they absolutely are. And there yeah, there is a lot of thought put into that. That's really actually quite fun. I've yeah, actually because read a couple of those. Like books. if you actually think about it, it's basically the the uh, human thoughts and dreams taken form in fiction. Mm-hmm. And well, uh, what else could that be other than um the very gods and um monsters that we've come up over the ages in a more modern yeah. setting yeah and then that's one of just the beautiful things about dungeons and dragons is the fact that you can take all forms of myths mythology that exist have existed ever in all of human history and just pick and choose the bit that you want to explore in more detail <sighs> There's a reason I love D&D so much. And also, like, I'm sure this comes as a shock to no one, but I was a mythology nerd back when I was in middle school before I got into D&D. Wow. What a <laughs> surprise, Remy. Yeah, yeah, laugh it up, Fincher. Anyway, Fortress. So, besides all the ones that we've already talked about thus far, do you think that there's any other types of canonical portraits that exist? Canonical portraits? Yeah. Is there anything that's like, okay, if you enter this portrait, you enter a demiplane? Not officially, but there should be, and I'm fairly certain that there used to be in previous editions. Right, because like, there was like a portrait of holding, I want to say. It's such an obvious thing. Yeah. Like, I know that 4th edition did have a portrait of holding, but I don't think that it's been converted into 5th edition. Oh, portrait of holding. How does that work, by the way? It it sounds really interesting, but how how did it work? It basically, it's basically just like you said, like with the right command, it's able to just become an extra dimensional space that you just go through the painting into like this small space. No, because like what I imagine is just like, it's this like painting of like this really, really nice storefront or something like that. Where all the items are nicely like laid out and displayed, and then you just can put stuff in, and then it just adds to that display. It's so cool. Yeah, I mean that's one of the cool things too about like reading older D and D things to be able to incorporate, mm-hmm. like the portrait of holding. If I remember right, it was described as just being able to be a portrait of whatever you want, and then it just opens into like a, I want to say it was like a small room size. This is fourth edition, so I'm a little bit fuzzier on the exact numbers of it. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like. A ten foot room or some such. Ah, I'm gonna have to look that up after the episode just for my own curiosity. But anyway, the point being though that like old D and D does have yet more things that you could make use of. So before we do move on to the next uh, area though, I do want to also backtrack a bit in something that can be potentially fun, potentially creepy. So I mentioned the idea of just animating a portrait as well, and we got onto the soul side of things very quickly, but you don't have to actually go that way. In fact, you know, animation magic is a relatively easy and common thing in 5th edition D&D. So can you think of some interesting uses of just animated portraits that don't actually have a soul to them? Animated So, like, think the Harry Potter portraits, but not actually with a soul. I mean, mean, have you ever had an imaginary friend? I haven't, but no. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, I... I would consider that quite fun to have as a kid, like something you could talk to. That would actually be pretty neat. That I honestly didn't think of it that way, but yeah, that you're right. But at the same time, could you imagine how sad it would be as that child became like a preteen or a teenager, like when they have that realization 
that like this is just a form of magic and not oh, an so actual sad. person Shit. that they've built all these years of friendship with. That that moment when you realize your friends, an AI. <laughs> I mean, theoretically, though, an AI is hopefully able to grow over time. Right. And it's debatable whether something like this would be. And I'll be honest, that's something that could also be explored. So we've talked before about how Warforge potentially ha might have a soul, might not have souls. It is purposefully fuzzy in the writing. But there's also the side question to that of, can a magical intelligence evolve into a soul? And that is something that a DM has to just answer for themselves just for their own world. And that's something that could be pretty neat. Because imagine it, actually, that'd be a really nice adventurer origin story. Like, they have a portrait of just, like, their childhood friend for all intents and purposes. But they're, like, in their 20s now, but the portrait is still, like, 10. And that right. they're questing to just find a way to get, you know, what they say is the soul of their best friend put oh, into cool. a real body. Shit. That'd be that a really amazing. nice adventure origin story. That'd be great. Yeah, and then, that's like, really there's so cool. many ways you could think, and you could take that in so many different directions. Like, when you get them a body, like, is the adventure like 10 years older by that point? So, like, they're in their 30s and then just like raise their best friend as their child? Like, do they succeed in finding access to the magic required only to find out that it is, in fact, just a magical intelligence? Oh damn, that would suck. But that's that that's such a suck. cool con concept, man. It's I, such a again, I, oh. say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Like, honestly, this is one of those times where if they're willing to put their entire story around that, I would feel bad if I did that kind of downer ending. So, like, no. I wouldn't do that at that no, point. No, but it's one of but those help things of that it creates such... I mean, you can always do the freaking anime thing where it's like, oh, there's no soul. And then they're like, okay, I, I, this can't be real. I gotta do something. And then it's like, oh, you gotta do this really risky thing. And then um, after a bunch of a series of very plot stuff, uh, <laughs> you reach a point where, like, you're like, 
uh, the 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 friend is badly injured, and you're like, "Are you okay?" And then like like this awakens some sort of sentience within them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that like it's such a interesting concept that yeah, like you can tell some good stories plural with that idea. Yeah, definitely. And again, that's just the idea of just basic, you know, magic animation for all intents and purposes, and just kind of playing with that so like that's the kind of thing that might have been just like just a you know a mad an uncommon magic item at the time you know their parents commissioned it like maybe it was the kind of situation where like you know they have the noble background their parents you know just didn't like want them to play with the neighborhood kids so they literally right. just had a friend made it's like them. oh this is so multiple this, levels of sad like this this is an interesting curio let's let's get that you know get that for the sun you know <laughs> yeah you know, or hell, you could even you could even make the choice, like play with the romance angle of things. Like maybe they do have like, you know, a young woman made into a painting to be like the nanny, so they don't actually have to worry about trusting a person to raise their kid. So they just have this animated painting that just gives the instructions to the kid for their whole childhood. You know, they fall in love as they become a teenager, so mm. then they set out as, you know, a young adult to try to, you know, give their love a real body so they can be together. That's cute. <laughs> right, like, there's so many cool stories you could tell with this. Like, it's so much fun to just think about, and you could have an entire character's arc with that as the goal. And, and that's I, I, honestly something I've never seen before, which is kind of a hard thing to say sometimes. I just kind of find it really interesting how, like, just a child's play thing could just basically evolve to the point where you're like we're talking about okay this is <laughs> oh we we like oh yeah you're forming this connection with the thing so blah 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 and so on and so forth it's like when you think about it there's a lot of things out there that if you put some thought deeper thought into it you really can come up with some great ideas of yeah all right so there are obviously a lot more homebrew options so just one last thing before we get into that which is the actual monster that exists from Curse of Straw, which is the Guardian Portrait. Guardian Portrait? So there actually is an animated portrait, canonically, in Curse of Straw. And this thing just is a medium construct with 5 AC, 22 hit points, speed of 0, negative 5 initiative, because it's a fucking stationary <laughs> portrait. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's a pretty cool thing. Because the whole idea is it's an animated portrait, so it's, you know, susceptible to anti-magic, and but it has no melee attacks at all. Instead, it has some innate spellcasting. So there's actually enough magic in this thing to have the ability to cast a couple of spells. So three times a day each, it can cast Counterspell, Crown of Madness, Hypnotic Pattern, and Telekinesis. Oh Which shit, really I just thought cool. of something. Okay, this I know this ties back to the prior one, but I was thinking you have that idea with the magic portrait with the friend, and then it's mm -hmm. like, okay, um you you're in a bad spot, but you have the the portrait on them. They use their last bit of magic that's keeping them animated to to save you and then they die in the process. Oh jeez, that emanated. I mean, isn't that compelling? <laughs> 
You're just an asshole that likes to kill things that are loved. I mean, you're not wrong, but it still is <laughs> compelling. Uh, Alright, so to put a little bit... So I guess we're skipping straight to... Well, no. Let me finish this, then we'll talk more about the homebrew. Okay. So, Guardian Portrait. Can't move, has magic. But just one thing that I do like about this, the particular spells that it has... So, Crown of Madness is a second-level spell that can charm a humanoid for up to a minute. So then that's the kind of thing where you basically have the portrait cast a spell to try to mind control a member of the party into attacking the rest, which is just fucking cool. And of course you have telekinesis, which has, you know, it's what it says in the tin. You just can throw heavy objects around, including creatures potentially, which is perfect for a magical painting because that is such a horror movie kind of shit. It's great. Like, so the, the choices for this thing are just a chef's kiss. It's just perfect choice. All right, anyway, so now let's go into the homebrew side of things. So, okay, let's say that you do want to make, you know, a this item that has a finite amount of magic, like you were talking about, for it to potentially be able to expend its last. Yes. So there are actually a lot of magic items that have the trait where... If it does run out of charges, then if you roll a 1 on the d20, it loses its magic and turns to dust. So, this actually is beautiful synergy with what is another just soon episode, which is sentient magic items. So, if you wanted to just make an uncommon sentient magic item, you could do this. So just make it a magic item that has seven charges, sentience, and, you know, a, a spell or, you know, two or three that it's able to choose to trigger by its own will. And then having that, when you do have it expend that last charge, then you do have that chance for it to just use up that last charge and disintegrate. And, like, so you could have that kind of moment you were talking about by rules as written, and I do always appreciate when I can do things by rules as written instead of can't wait the end. There are times where it's okay, but I like using rules as written when I can. <laughs> anyway, so what's fun though is that you can also just kind of keep going on that angle if you really wanted to. Like, technically speaking, you know, a DM has the ability to, you could choose to make these portraits creatures or magical objects. Like, if you do just treat it like a magic item, then that does kind of give you a template of like, how powerful this thing could be and this could also honestly be a really convenient thing to exist imagine if you have a small party where no one in the party is super great when it comes to perception so something that could be an option then is that you guys just are able to accumulate enough money to get a magical portrait that is just able to keep watch for you because one thing that also uh, I didn't mention in all the details in the magical portrait in Strahd, but it does have dark vision. So given the fact that this thing does have dark vision, well, that would actually be a not terrible option just either to keep watch or just like to be company while your party is keeping watch. Because imagine if you only had like two people in your party and then you have this so that they can take turns sleeping, but still have, you know, something to help keep them company and keep them alert while they're keeping watch. To just, like, look, in, just, like, have it just propped up facing the other direction. Like, maybe it doesn't even have any combat spells, but has some, like, utility stuff. That would still be a very valuable thing for a party to potentially have. 
and that just be a cool thing to exist. Like, so, imagine just as a DM, you describe the scene where, like, your party is going through the woods at night. Up ahead, you can notice the bright, crackling glow of a campfire, and you hear just two voices abruptly start, la- you know, laughing out in the distance. And then, like, your party walks up, and you just see one guy sleeping and one guy awake and just talking to a portrait? Like, that'd be something that would make players go, wait, what? That's just kind of a fun thing to get to do sometimes. I mean, that sounds brilliant. (laughs) Like, I honestly think, like, there are so many different things that you could do with this. Like, even if you don't make it, like, a fighting thing, just to have it be just a thing that can exist in the world. So, there is also another just potentially interesting use of a magical portrait. So, this is something that I don't think is canon, or if it is, I honestly don't remember, but it's just something that I've made use of, which is the idea of an instant portrait. What's that? So, picture? Yeah. So, there are, like, there are travel papers and signet rings and all that kind of thing, all that kind of stuff that does exist in D&D. The thing is, having papers is actually something that'd be pretty easy to fake like and is commonly faked by people with the forgery kit in dme if a dm makes use of that at all which they very rarely do in all honesty but it's interesting to me to think about okay wait a minute so portraits exist magic exists illusions exist all of these things together should be very easily able to just capture an image to just instantly imprint it either just as like a sketch on paper or as just like a proper portrait just you know instantly taken of whatever is seen or thought about for someone particularly skilled and that's something that has very interesting implications in the world for me could you imagine if like like sketch artists are a thing that our law enforcement is really bad at but uses but imagine if it, there literally was the option of like using a spell like detect thoughts to just look in someone's head and just see, like, the face of the person who did the thing. That's and then cool. being able to just instantly transcribe that onto a piece of paper, like, whether it is just, like, a sketch or full color, depending on what, you know, resources they have access to, that's pretty goddamn cool. I was thinking but, about, like, an Oracle version of that, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, there's these... Uh, in, like this person that produces odd squiggles and stuff, but every so often you can see this like highly detailed drawing within the mess that foretells something that will happen in the future. That'd be pretty neat, actually. Yeah, you could absolutely play with something like that as well. But going back to the travel side, like so, Nathan, when people travel, how do they prove that they are who they say they are i am gorif run no i am gorif run i am thank you very no, no, much i mean us here <laughs> us Earth. we have passport and yeah. ids passport actually is exactly where i was going with that so imagine though that if all adventurers were you know quote-unquote highly encouraged to just get you know a magical passport made as soon as they have the funds to do so like, or that could even be a reason of, like, why so many low-level adventurers haven't left their homes yet. Like, maybe you do legally require a magical passport to leave to actually, like, go elsewhere to start adventure. How does a magical passport work, Remy? Well, I mean, that 
depends on you, the Dungeon Master. So there's options available. So you, let's just say, first off, it has a picture of the person, but you could, like, you know, depending on your world, let's say you even have some kind of blood magic that exists that ties it to the person. So it can always, like, it it's meant to just age with the person who has it, so it's always an up-to-date picture. I, I just, that, like, just now I just had one of those things where we get into a topic that's slightly a tangent, and uh, I'm going to make mm -hmm. it a bigger tangent, where wouldn't it be cool if you had that, and there were officially official sanctioned blood mages, where they, they are the few people who are allowed to do blood magic <laughs> for <laughs> this purpose. I mean, I'll be honest, I could see logic in that. I could see there be, like, maybe even that could be a point of contention between places. Like, maybe there are certain cities who are very specific that this is the only acceptable legal use of blood magic. But then there are places that, you know, have over the centuries decided, well, I mean, we've used this and it's been fine. So maybe there's other useful things that we can do with blood magic. Talking and about blood magic, either do, do we go do very we well a... or very badly? Talking about blood magic, do we have something about it in the list? Um, we do now. Yeah, because uh, it's such a it's like a common taboo thing in any magic setting, but very little little is often said about. Okay, what what extent does it do? What does it do? You know. But anyway, but yeah, for this specific one though, like having there be just like this use of blood magic. But then, if you have a form of blood magic that is tied to a person, can you think of what the immediate follow-up to that would be from the average adventurer? Tied to a person? Yes. Like, if an adventurer has a magic passport that shows an updating picture of them, Personally, what, is the what is the first thing most adventurers would probably think? And I'll give you a hint. Specifically a robe, most likely. I, I don't know what. what. <laughs> How do I fool it? Oh, right. I mean, I, what I was thinking as a dungeon <laughs> master was more like, oh, that, that'd be really cool, because imagine you had this inward piece of documentation you can use to list down all your quests and all your accomplishments. That'd be fucking cool. Because imagine you... if it was the kind of thing where, like, guilds in the large cities are able to just, like, stamp and verify, like, completion of certain things that you've... I mean, it's one of those video gameization things where it's like, okay, sure, like, there is something incredibly satisfying about seeing every single thing you've done uh, since you started. You've not watched Naruto, correct? No. So there was something that was just like a kind of throwaway thing in one episode that never came up again, but it's still something that always stuck with me. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt that somebody songified it, but yeah, there was a character that made ninja info cards that had people's mission history. So like, oh yeah, they completed 26 D-rank missions, and what? An A-rank? Like, having something just as simple as that could actually kind of work for D&D, because it'd be relatively easy to just, like, break up tiers of quests. And this, I mean, fuck, this gives you an entire system that you could use for guilds, for, you know, acknowledgement yes. of deeds, for just mission assignments, bounties. Like Just it's one of those things. Tears. It's like one of those things, right? Where having the system, it doesn't need to be a hardbound system, but having the system that just creates this level of believability, and on top of that sentiment within your players, beside like 
accolades, you know? Yeah, and, like, that's one of the things that is honestly kind of hard to do for a lot of Dungeon Masters that do play D&D, is, like, how do you the word of your character's deed? Like, part of the whole shtick is that, you know, you're all adventurers whose tales will be sung through the ages, yada, yada, yada. And yet, like, that side of things is actually pretty rarely done. Like, most people who play D&D, like, even if they've been playing the same campaign for years of real time, and maybe even in-game time, like, how often do you actually have the situation of, you know, you walk into a bar and everyone freaks out, like, oh my god, it's, you know, the heroes of Dawnhurst! You know, it's the people who did the thing! Like, they're they're big deal! Like, that doesn't really happen a lot. I mean, but anyway, like, that is yeah. a hell of a tangent. It is a tangent, that is. <laughs> sorry, not sorry, but that was fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's yes. fun. But the point being, though, okay, you have a magical passport for all intents and purposes that might, you know, get you do have, you know, your updating picture. But then the question becomes, so wait, if it's blood magic, does that mean that, like, if you have a hat of disguise, that it won't update because that's just an illusion? But then if you use Alter Self, would that be good enough to fool it? And, like, that's the kind of thing that each Dungeon Master can make the choice of how hard or easy is to flesh out your world and let everyone at the table have fun. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.